We the ones. We the ones they talking about. Broadway Sports Media. Justin and Justin Titans podcast show. Some of it was bad, but hopefully you'll you probably piece something together. Outstanding. There's an earthquake in the middle of the podcast. Unbelievable. We're begging for listeners. That's all we do. We all we got. Hey, Titans on three. One, two, three. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Music City Audible podcast brought to you by Broadway Sports Media, partnered with 440 Sports. I'm Justin Graver. Joining me, as always, Justin Mello. And today we have a whole week of Titans training camp to recap, plus a preseason game to preview. Justin, how's it going? I'm doing well. Like you said, it's it's finally game week, right? Like this, this, this episode is taking place on a game week. So that's a nice change for us right something we've been waiting a while for so excited to kind of talk about some of these camp developments several intriguing things have occurred over these last couple days and and also get into a little preseason football yeah this is not a drill football is back we are almost there to real titans football and although it's the preseason and none of it really matters it's going to be the most exciting titans preseason in a while i think largely because of malik willis but we will get to all the players we are excited to see for the first time on the field and sometimes some for not the first time in a minute let's talk camp storylines first and i think we have to start with the guy who has been creating more buzz than anyone who's not a rookie i would say and pretty unexpected at least from my perspective racy mcmath just continues to make plays it feels like every team period that they do the guys on the ground reporting from titans training camp and women are talking about how many plays Racy McMath continues to make down the field and just big catches in general. Have the Titans found their deep threat? You know, it, it's certainly intriguing, right? Because when he caught two touchdowns, I think it was on the Tuesday, I think it was, or the Wednesday. Uh, then they were off the next day and he came back the following day and I believe caught another one, right? And that, and that following day, was getting challenged a little bit by Christian Fulton, Caleb Farley. It, it seems like some guys wanted to go up against him, right? Which is certainly yeah. interesting. some of the better corners on the team I'm referring to. This is certainly something to monitor, I would say. It's it's obviously early, but uh, as you all know, and I, th- I think Zach, you know, F-Words Pod joked about it a little bit. It's, it's getting talked about to death, but talking about, you know, a 6'3 receiver, 225, that runs a 4'3. The point that I want to make, because I know that's been beaten to death a little bit, is that, you know, I, you watch Mike Vrabel talk about him. You watch receivers coach Rob Moore talk about him. And sort of the theme that I came away with is they are starting to see sort of the mental traits catch up to the physical natural abilities, right? And that can be exciting because, look, newsflash, he was 6'3", 220 last year and ran a 4'3 last year, right? Like that's not a new development. Right. And even with all the injuries at receiver he didn't really get on the field, right? I think he's on the field for a couple of plays. Didn't they target him deep in one game? I, if I'm recall, if I recall correctly, but the point is uh, the physical traits were there last year, but now you're starting to see maybe some of the mental abilities, right? That year one to year two growth come together, at least for, you know, being able to string together a couple of good practices. So um, I think he's very likely to make the team, right? I have him as probably the team's number five receiver. I think they'll carry at least six, right? So that's that's positive for him. But uh, we'll see how he, he keeps going going forward here. Yeah, I think that this is a legitimate thing to watch. I mean, like you said, they're going to keep probably six guys. He's definitely in the mix right now. I mean, he's not number six. If you're if you're ranking them, who's going to make the roster right now? Right. 
Racy McMath is not number six. He's a, at least above that, probably number five, but maybe. And you'd have to think that um, when you're looking at that number six, if you want to mention guys like Des Fitzpatrick, Josh Malone, you have a hard time, in my opinion, saying that they would be in the mix to overtake McMath at number five. Because keep in mind, McMath's a really good special teams player, right? And, and Des and Malone, to my knowledge, don't really offer anything on special teams. Right. So he definitely has a role on the team, and it looks like he might even have a role in the offense. He's not going to play every snap at receiver, obviously, but there's going to be packages, I feel like, this season. They're probably scheming them up now where they will try to get McMath open deep down the field because not a lot of guys on the Titans roster have his size and his speed and can do the things that he can do physically. So to see him putting it together on the mental side, it's pretty encouraging. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that because I I was thinking that I do feel like at some point, maybe even early, right? Week one, week two, you, you might want to save that wrinkle for the Bills in week two because that's certainly a really tough road <laughs> contest. But I can certainly see if he gets on the field, if you see him out there, you can almost pinpoint, you know what? They're about to try something deep to him, right? And yeah, uh, Easton, e- Easton Freeze over at BroadwaySportsMedia.com has got a really good article coming, I believe, later this week on uh, on McMath and, and potentially talking about maybe why they haven't shown more interest in Will Fuller up to this point. Hmm. That's interesting. That's interesting. Yeah. You'd think with all the Houston connections that the Titans coaching staff and players have right now, that Will Fuller would be like some rumor would at least emerge about the Titans and Will Fuller, but there's been nothing. And maybe that is because of McMath. Who knows, right? Maybe they think they got a younger, cheaper, healthier deep threat already on the roster. Right. Um, let's move on and talk about another big storyline coming out of camp. You know, there's there's two big position battles going on right now, and maybe three, which we'll talk about briefly in a moment. But the two big ones are on the offensive line, left guard and right tackle. And I think going into camp, we all kind of viewed right tackle as being the more set-in-stone battle. But through two weeks of training camp, it feels like Aaron Brewer has a, a stranglehold on the left guard position while Nicholas petit Frere is actually giving Dylan Radins a competition at right tackle, continues to get run with the first-team offense, what do you make of this developing battle? It's really interesting, because didn't we mention on last week's episode, this is something to watch, but we're you not going to you know, dive too deep into it. We were kind of foreshadowing, and, and we, were, we were smart to do it, because I think just a couple practices ago, I think it was actually the first time Correct me if I'm wrong, and our listeners can correct me if I'm wrong and, and come at me on Twitter. But I think it was the first time Petit Friere had received first team reps at right tackle, I, I believe. So that's so now it certainly feels like something worth monitoring. Now, Mike Vrabel, they asked him about it after practice. Of course, you know, he, he kind of did his best to downplay it. And look, he may have been telling the truth where he said, Look, trying to give everyone an opportunity, right? And, yeah. and, and that makes sense. And that wouldn't, you know, it's important to, to give. Uh, NPF that chance, right? Taylor Lewan um, was asked about him in his own conference and uh, gave him a compliment, basically just saying he's someone that is memorizing the playbook and and, and memorizing everything um, with, with terrific ability. So certainly interesting, something to watch here. And, and before we get into our, our preseason preview of week one here against the Ravens coming up on Thursday, um, I, that's something I think I'm going to be watching pretty closely, right? How they, how they sort of divide those snaps between Raidens and, and Petit Friere. Yeah, obviously we'll see how many first team guys even get on the field on Thursday night. But if Raidens is out there first and plays very little, I think that might be telling if they're both kind of out there. Maybe they each have like a half or 
or a couple, you know, quarters even. That'll be interesting to monitor, and I'm def- definitely going to have my eye on how they each perform because, you know, PFF is tracking these advanced stats, how many pressures guys allow, and we're going to have that for you a week from this episode when we recap that preseason game. But, yes, we will preview that game in just a moment. Let's talk about two other storylines here from training camp. Number one is injuries. I think the Titans have been pretty lucky overall on the injury front right now. Obviously, cornerback Elijah Molden is still out as of this taping. Um, Molden missing his fifth straight practice on Sunday. So something to keep an eye on. But his absence has allowed Roger McCreary to play a lot more with the first team. And you're seeing that um, in practice every day, pretty much. Yeah, it's a shame that Molden, you know, hasn't been able to get back yet. And you certainly hope um, that he's able to uh, shortly because, I feel like a healthy Molden is due to make a pretty big jump, right? From year one to year two, really liked what we saw last year, especially towards, you know, the middle and the end of the season when he, he really started, you know, minus that Houston game towards the end, but yeah. he, he really started playing well right after that struggles against Arizona, Seattle, Buffalo, all those, you know, first half of the year games where he kind of had some, some difficult moments, but thought he played really well down the stretch and you, you feel he's due to make a big jump. But the thing is, nothing is guaranteed here. And they got a lot of guys that can play that position that they like. Right. So him missing this time is certainly giving that opportunity, right. To other players, right. This is not like, you know, Derrick Henry's missing time and, Oh, he's not going to lose his starting job. Like, no, molding could potentially be in danger of forfeiting snaps, right? So the, I think to the likes of Roger McCreary, and we didn't even mention Chris Jackson and Theo Jackson, right? Who are right. two guys that they they really like, and both of them can play the nickel, right? They can play that. Of, of course, we've talked about dime packages, and, and there's a chance that Molden plus one of those guys is on the field anyway, uh, with some consistency. But uh, otherwise, you know, those guys could potentially come in and take some snaps away from them, right? Chris Jackson and Theo Jackson, I believe it was Braden, you know, Braden and, and Zach do the, the football show every day. They were, and Braden was at practice. I think he mentioned there've been a few practices where Chris Jackson and Theo, uh, one or the other, were getting those first team reps, right? It's not like it's always been McCreary. So there are a lot of guys in the mix here. And uh, I guess all I really want to say is the more time Molden missed is, uh, the more opportunity obviously is being provided to these other good football players. Yeah, exactly. So that is definitely an interesting thing to keep an eye on is who's going to be the starting nickel. What if, and you know, if Molden has to miss time and it's not Molden or is somebody going to overtake that job from him? We will continue to watch another big position battle that's unfolding is another pretty unexpected one. Although there was some talk about it when the Titans signed undrafted free agent, Ryan Stonehouse, but at the punter position, Brett Kern getting up there in age, coming off his worst season as a Titan in a long time. Mike Herndon has pointed this out on Twitter a couple times, but he hasn't, you know, he's missed at least three games in each of the last two seasons. Is it potentially time for the Titans to find a new punter? And is that guy going to be Ryan Stonehouse? What do you make of this competition? This is interesting because I'll say this. When they initially signed Stonehouse, I didn't think a whole lot of it because I, I think it, you know, no matter what, it makes sense to have a second punter in camp, right? Like there's no need to give an aging Brett Kern all of those reps in camp, right? So it, they've had punters in previous years, right? That they signed as a UDFA where you didn't feel like they had a much of a legitimate chance, right? But 
with Stonehouse, I mean, look, uh, I, I, I think I'm going to reheat this one and, and probably post this um, on Twitter uh, on Monday or so. He's someone that I interviewed, right, shortly after they signed him as a UDFA. Again, I think I'm going to repost that because, uh, you know, it had some interest then, but I think it should probably have even more reading interest now because he said when I asked him, you know, why Tennessee? He was. He told me they were a team that I felt, you know, showed the most interest in me alongside one other team. I think he mentioned the New Orleans Saints by name. And I felt that, you know, they were honest and said they were going to come in and give me a chance to compete. Well, fast forward to today, and it seems like the Titans meant that, right? Like, it, it, yeah. it doesn't seem like they just said that to get them on board, which does happen, you know, unfortunately, in right. this league more than people realize, right? Position coaches are not above lying to players just to get them in. Um, as a UDFA. So when this thing started, no, if I was being honest, you would have asked me then I, I, I didn't think Stonehouse had a much of a chance on top of it. You know, Brett Kern, he reworked his contract earlier this offseason, right? Which was people uh, maybe forgetting, but I think he was uh, set to earn like three points or three, just above three. I think it was 3.2, 3.3 million. Drop that down to like 2.2, right? It took like a million dollar yeah. pay cut. So I mean, look, that was the writing on the wall, right? Where if he didn't take that pay cut, they might have cut him, right? Like, I mean, not a lot of guys are just happy to take a million-dollar pay cut, right? So he did that, I guess, in an effort to to more secure his job. But now it seems like even doing that, it's still not 100% secure, right? Like, it really does seem like Stonehouse is in this thing. It sounds like they've been impressed with him throughout training camp. And this is certainly something to watch, um, uh, during the preseason as well. Yep. And something that Mike, again, Mike Herndon pointed out on Twitter, uh, and this was, you know, this was going around when the Titans signed the kid, but he holds the NCAA record for punting average and he's only 23 years old. So, you know, if you can get somebody in that can be your punter for the next 10 plus years, the way Kern has been for the Titans when they claimed him after the Broncos cut him so many years ago, um, you know, Try to get that guy and save that $2 million if you can. John Robinson said it in an interview earlier this summer. I'm, I'm trying to remember when and where it was. I feel like crediting Ben Arthur of the Tennessean because I feel like it was in, in that you know great interview Arthur did with him. Oh, yeah. Yeah, several, several months ago now, but something that just came to my mind right now. John Robinson talked about, you know, roster construction and said, look, every team in the league, and this is true of the Titans, of course, is always looking for ways to get younger and cheaper at every position, right? right? You know what? It was the Arthur interview. Now I'm almost certain because remember it was the talk about Ryan Tannehill, Malik Willis, and and when Robinson talked about players shouldn't, you know, not about mentoring younger guys because they're coming in to take your job, right? Because we're always trying to get younger and cheaper. And it's the yeah. veteran's job to make sure you keep he keeps his job and doesn't give the young guy an opportunity to take it, right? So classic example of that, right? Where they can get younger and cheaper with Ryan Stonehouse. And this battle seems to be very legitimate. Yeah, and that's actually one thing I'm looking forward to in preseason. We, we have plenty to talk about when it comes to the preseason game. So I'll just say now, one thing I'm watching is when the Titans are punting, A, who's punting? And B, how good does do these punts look? Because- right. I expect Stonehouse to get a lot of run, especially with, like I said, Kern having a couple injuries over the last few seasons. You know, you don't want to risk that just in case you are still going to keep him on the roster. So I think we'll see a good amount of Stonehouse and let's see the hang time on these punts. Let's see the placement and hopefully the Titans will be in a position where they can punt from like their own 40 or the 50 yard line or something. So we can see him try to do the coffin corner pin thing that Kern has been so, so good at for the last few years. 
Yeah, one last point I'll make on, on all this um, is, you know, mentioning Stonehouse has the NCAA record. I asked them about that. And again, when I interviewed him several months ago and I asked him, you know, considering you, you have the record, are you kind of surprised you weren't drafted? And I thought it was probably the most interesting answer he gave. And he said, no, not at all. Like I essentially had zero expectation that I was going to get drafted because I don't do things the traditional punter way which I thought was interesting. He made it sound like his mechanics, his approach is very, is very different. And it sounded like that wasn't appreciated by every team. Like it's not like his evaluation was not straightforward. His pre-draft evaluation. It wasn't a, Oh, you know, this guy's the greatest punter in NCAA history. He holds the record. We want this guy. No, it seemed like a lot of teams didn't think he could cut it at the next level due to his, you know, sort of, again, I, I'm trying to recall if I got more detail from him again, I'm, I'm going to repost that interview, but talking about his mechanics and the different approach, it didn't sound like every team had interest in him. That's interesting because, you know, you have Matt Areza, who's nicknamed the punt God going in the fifth round of the draft. This My point year. Exactly. And um, the Texas Longhorns had a punter who's now with the Seattle Seahawks, Michael Dixon, who, who was drafted as well in the fifth round. And he does that thing where he like runs out to the side and kind of rugby punts it. I wonder if that's what Stonehouse was talking about with you. <laughs> yeah. Again, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to reposting that interview and, and, and getting people's eyes on it all over again. Look, it's been several months for me as well. I, when I was writing the thing up, I wrote it with four or five others, right? We had, we had Jaden PV. I had a bunch of UDFAs. We had posted on, on uh, interviews right. on Broadway with J- Jack Gibbons, Julius Chestnut. I think there was at least six or seven of them. So uh, the UDFA D lineman out of Maryland was another one. So, uh, but definitely something I think right now, because this talk is heating up, uh, people will have real, a lot of interest in reading. Interesting. Yeah. So definitely repost that. Look for it on Twitter. One last thing I want to mention here before we get to preseason discussion, and this will lead us into it, is the underrated storyline, another another injury storyline here. We have Monty Rice still dealing with the Achilles injury that ended his season. Dylan Cole was uh, helped off the field in a recent practice and wasn't out there on Sunday. The inside linebacker depth for the Titans has taken a, a hit quietly so far in camp and I don't think it's anything to be overly concerned about as the season approaches but it is something to watch because what this means is that Chance Campbell the Titans draft pick this year one of the least talked about draft picks since the draft ended I think um, (laughs) is gonna get a lot of playing time in the preseason because the Titans simply don't have the guys at the depth in that the position group right now to you know save him from those reps he needs the reps because in case they enter the season with him as the inside linebacker three or four, he might actually have to play. So what do you make of this, you know, underrated storyline here with the inside linebacker depth and how it affects Chance Campbell? Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because I do think it's an underrated storyline. Dylan Cole helped off the field the other day, hasn't practiced since. Um, as you mentioned, Monty Rice remains on, I guess, the physically unable to perform list. Well, like, I don't know if we, we ever got confirmation, but it's safe to assume that was probably like a torn Achilles injury, right? Like for it to have happened last season and he's still out right now, it's, it's been, this is an eight month thing, right? Or, or, yeah. or seven, eight month thing we're going on here. So it's obviously a very serious injury. So, uh, you mentioned Chance Campbell draft pick out of Ole Miss, but one guy, you, I mean, you didn't mention there that I think is going to get a lot of run next to him but you're, you're probably right that chance is ahead of him, is the UDFA linebacker out of Minnesota, Jack Gibbons. That's another kid mm-hmm. who I interviewed uh, on Broadway Sports, uh, right around the Stonehouse interview. Uh, Gibbons had an interception the other day at practice. So 
he's obviously getting some run. I mean, I don't know that it would totally shock me if they go into the preseason Thursday on the opening series. Like, will, will they have Chance Campbell and Jack Gibbons? Like, do they even put David Long and Zach Cunningham out there? So, um, right. and I don't know. I think Joe Jones might still be with the team. He's technically yeah. an inside linebacker as well. So, um, if they're not willing to risk Long and Cunningham, which they probably shouldn't be, we might see four quarters even out of a Chance Campbell or a Jack Gibbons. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. And and Joe Jones is still out there, so you'll probably see a little bit of him as well. But I'm I'm excited to see how that rookie looks because, as I said, you know, and you mentioned on last week's podcast, it's unlikely that your starting inside linebackers play every single game. So there's a chance Campbell gets in the mix there if these other guys don't get healthy. Let's talk more about the preseason game. I think when we talk about what we're excited to watch on Thursday night and what we're looking for, you know, we're going to learn some things about this roster, but we're not going to learn a ton about how the starters look. That's not really the point. But you can't start the conversation anywhere other than with Malik Willis. And we talked about last week how Malik Willis was struggling a little bit in camp with the speed of the game. He's, according to all reports, he's been better since our last taping. And it looks like he's really starting to pick things up at least a little bit better in the seven on seven period, which, you know, seven on seven favors the offense. There's no pass rush, but he's looking better there. He's had some better plays in the red zone. A lot of his best moments still coming off script, but I think he is starting to get better with his timing. So I'm really excited to see what he looks like on the field uh, in the preseason game. And I expect we'll see him for an entire half, if not more than that. What do you think? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I would struggle to make a prediction on how long we're going to see him, but I, I think that's probably a decent prediction, right? Because I don't think we're going to see Ryan Tannehill, so that really just leaves him with Logan Woodside and Malik Willis. So they'd be wise, right, to, 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 to see a ton of Malik Willis, right? So it, I'm glad you brought that up because, again, uh, we talked about it last week as you said that he was struggling. Um, and then Pat O'Hara, the quarterback's coach, um, gave one of the best answers you'll see, right? One of the most honest, straightforward answers you'll see from a coach. I thought there was no coach speak involved. And it really kind of took the words out of our mouths, right? What we said last week, like not to pat ourselves on the back, but I specifically <laughs> had mentioned about how he's so great off script. Um, but again, remember the goal is to keep things on script, right? Especially, you know, this time of year, you, you don't want plays to break down. And what, what did Pat O'Hara end that answer with? He said, off script's not a problem for Malik. And he kind of had a smile when he said it, right? If you watch the video, he said, you know, kind of learning to function within the offense and on script is what we're working on. So, and it was a really good, like two minute answer where he pretty much took no breaks. Highly suggest you watch it. I'd wrote an article on it for Music City Miracles if you, if you didn't see it, where I kind of typed out his entire answer. But really excited to see him. He's, it seems he has strung together some better practices as of late. That's really encouraging to see. And again, this is sort of, you, you would think and you would hope, the natural progression for him, right? He should get better as time goes on. So really encouraging to see. Right. So anyone else, let's go down. Let's just make a little list here, each of us, talking about guys that you're most excited to see and why when Thursday night's game kicks off. That game, of course, kicking off in Baltimore. So Titans at Ravens for the first preseason game, 6.30 Central Standard Time kickoff. Who who's the player that you are most excited to watch besides Malik Willis? God, I could I could probably name 10, 15 players because um you had talked about how we're not going to learn a lot about the starters. And I appreciate that. I think the preseason should be a time where you learn a lot about first and second year players, right? And so on right. some occasions, maybe even one or two third year players. And you're going to get some of that this year, I think, with you know, maybe Aaron Brewer, of course, and I guess Laurel Murchison is a third year player, so that's another one. But 
But I think a guys I'm really excited to watch. I mean, we talked about Racy McMath earlier, right? I think that's an obvious one based on the, the signs of life he has shown in recent practices. Roger yeah. McCreary, of course, you know, a, a, um, you know, we're going to the second round pick now. That's a guy that I'm really excited to see. Again, we talked about Elijah Molden being out, so I would throw Chris Jackson and Theo Jackson into that mix. Uh, before I take all of the names, I want to give you a chance to talk, and, and I'll probably circle back with some. One guy that I think uh, I'm really excited to see that probably isn't the first name coming out of a lot of people's mouths um, is Rashad Weaver, right? Being that he showed mm. such positive signs of life last year in the preseason, and then unfortunately had that season-ending injury. Really excited to see Rashad Weaver and what kind of growth he, he might be able to show on Thursday. Yeah, and he did flash a lot in preseason last year. So hopefully you can we'll see him out there making, you know, getting in the backfield and making some plays again. That's a good one. I'm gonna say I don't know how much we'll see the first team defense play. Like I feel like if I remember preseasons past, sometimes they'll play a series without the big stars. Like I doubt Jeffrey Simmons, Harold Landry, Kevin Byard will suit up at all. But some of the other guys might play one series on defense, David Long and and those types of guys. I wonder if Caleb Farley's going to play because rehabbing from a torn ACL, obviously you want to be careful with him, but he's had no limitations in practice. Him and Traylon Burks have continued to battle in practice. And if you follow the practice reports closely, I think it was on Friday, the Titans ended their practice with a red zone team period or no, sorry, it was a two minute drill team period. And on the last two plays, Caleb Farley breaks up a pass intended for Traylon Burks. And then on the last play, Burks catches the ball in the back of the end zone, but Farley forces him out of bounds before he can get two feet in. Back-to-back plays that Caleb Farley made in a two-minute situation that would, you know, if this was a real game, essentially win you the game. And it's, you know, Farley making these plays in a situation against the Titans' first-round pick at receiver who's also been making a lot of plays. Nothing against Burks. It's just Farley is playing well. So if we only see him for one drive out there on defense or if maybe we see him for two, who knows how long we're going to see him out there, but I just want to see how he moves, how he's running around, how he responds to contact on the defensive side of the ball. And just generally like this big physical athletic freak, what does he look like? Because he's been getting so much buzz and playing so well in training camp. I want to see it on the field. Yeah. I'm so glad you brought him up. How about the name you mentioned two or three times there, Traylon Burks, right? I, yep. I assume he is going to play a little bit, right? I don't think you're going to hold him out. So your first round receivers making a lot of plays at training camp. He's come in in, in good shape. Really excited to see him as well. And the more we talk about this, I've got like 10 more names in my head right now. The more I realize, huh, there are a lot of players we should be really excited to watch. Yeah. Like I said, it's going to be the most exciting Titans preseason we've had in in many, many years, probably since Mariota was drafted and he came out and didn't he like not throw an interception all training camp. And then one of the first plays of the Falcons preseason game, he threw a pick six or something like that on a Yeah, there, there was. Around. I do remember there being a pretty bad pick in uh, in one of the preseason games. We, we have to round off a few more names here, don't we? Yeah, hit him. Hit me okay. with one. I'm going to go with Hassan Haskins. And again, probably okay. not one people expect to hear, but... I was informed pre-draft, by the way, if you're, if you're an NFL draft fan, you know, you, you know, I do some coverage with the draft network and everything. Um, Arif Hassan from the athletic uh, covers the Minnesota Vikings. Really, really uh, great. We've pod. had him on this show before. Yeah. Friend of the podcast. Um, he does the, the consensus big board, right? Where he takes all these big boards and lets you, and he'll message people, let them know facts. I was higher on Hassan Haskins than any other draft analyst that put together. a wow. big board. I had him higher than anybody else. So I'm actually going to try to pull it up because he had sent me a message about it. 
Uh, as I pull that up, let me mention why I'm excited about him, other than the fact that I was really high on him. We're not going to see Derrick Henry in the play in the preseason, right? I mean, that's all, all essentially been confirmed already. Yeah, right? Rabel so, said that. Rabel had said that, right? So we're not going to see him. So I think it's going to give a, a lot of reps to Hassan Hassans, and I'm super excited to see him. I just pulled up the fact here that Arif had sent me. So I apologize in advance. I guess I told a little white lie. Um, apparently, <laughs> I was the second highest on him out okay. of anybody. But to be fair, the consensus board had Hassan Hackens at 149. I ranked him at 89 on my Oh, my board. gosh. So yeah. I was significantly higher on him uh, than most. And look, uh, admittedly, looking at that, maybe I was a little too high. But hey, the Titans drafted him <laughs> at 131. So they did draft him, you know, about 10, 20 picks, 20 picks higher than the consensus. Um, I'm really excited to see Hassan Haskins on Thursday. Yeah, that's a good one because he could have a big role this year, hoping to take some of the some of the load off of Derrick Henry. And a similar running style, right? Really yeah, fits exactly. the offense well. Someone who could be a red zone weapon, even though Derrick Henry's been amazing in the red zone. That's like he's unstoppable in the red zone. So I don't know if you want to <laughs> take him off the field in those situations, but he is somebody that can come in there and bulldoze his way in for like a fourth and one if you don't want to give Henry the beating and the pounding that it takes. Um I'll throw another name out there that I'm excited to see. Another rookie is Chig Aquanco, who's been making plays in practice also and, you know, continues to get talked about by the coaching staff and his fellow teammates. I want to see what he looks like in the uniform. How like They mentioned how big and strong and fast he is. I want to see him be big and strong and fast on the field on Thursday night and just see if he can make plays because there's a chance that he has a sizable role to play in this passing offense this year. I think... Kyle Phillips is another super obvious one, right? That we'd have to bring yeah. up, right? Even crushing it at training camp. Like, isn't it funny that, you know, uh, you never want to, you know, sort of, you know, stereotype these guys and put them in a box, so to speak. But doesn't he look like Hunter Renfro, Cole Beasley, and Wes Welker and Julian Edelman yeah. out there? Like, you've got this undersized receiver uh, that's underappreciated in the draft, just like all those guys were. A lot of them went undrafted. Adam Humphreys, uh, you know, Julian Edelman went undrafted, as we all know. Hunter Renfro drafted much later than he should have been. Um, coming in and just proving NFL teams again, you're making a mistake with me because all I do is get open and catch the football, right? And that's what yeah. Kyle Phillips has done at training camp. And I am super excited to see him on Thursday. Yeah, and I want to see how he compares to Mason Kinsey because they have a similar yep. skill set, I would say. Like, athletic I want to see yeah, yeah, athletic profile. I want to see when they're when Phillips is on the field and, and uh Kinsey's on the field. Do they like, is there a noticeable difference that makes Phillips stand out more? Because I know a lot of fans are excited about what Mason Kinsey could possibly be in this, you know, smaller slot receiver, quicker slot receiver mold type of player that you just like all those guys you just mentioned. But for whatever reason, he's never stuck on the roster in that role because he's just honestly not quite good enough. So what is it that makes Kyle Phillips good enough? I want to watch for that on and Thursday night. And they'll probably both get a chance to return punts, right? So that adds a, on Thursday. So that adds another wrinkle potentially to the Phillips Kinsey thing. A couple more players uh, I, I think I'd want to mention. Look, we talked about uh, Petit Friere and Radens already, so I won't get too much into that. But one thing I'll, I'll say quickly that I hope they don't do with those guys um, is I hope they don't alternate series. Like I hope we, I, I mean, it, it's not a huge deal if they do, but I don't know that I want to see Radens in the first series and then NPF on the second, right? Like I kind of right. want to see them get a chance to grow and, and you know, some momentum and, and string that together and get two, three consecutive series. Cause you may remember with Radens last year, there were times where he came out for one series playing left guard. He was playing right tackle on the next one. 
right? Yeah, so exactly. Even though that's a bit different, I still think, you know, both occurrences mess up with your momentum. So I hope whoever starts gets at least two, three series, and then the other one comes in and gets two, three consecutive series. Not that they're constantly switching up, um, uh, uh, you know, yeah. uh, alternating series. Another guy, Des Fitzpatrick, he's someone I want to see. We've had some, you know, varying reports out of training camp. It seems to start really promising. Then when the pads came on, it maybe wasn't, didn't look as good as it did in shorts and a t-shirt. Really want to see Des Fitzpatrick. Obviously, this is a huge preseason for him. How about back-end D-line depth? Guys like Demarcus Walker and some of the UDFAs they signed. Jaden PV, David Anine, uh Haskell Garrett, and then Sam oh, I, I, I think it's Okainu, I think it is, uh, the UDFA D-lineman out of Maryland. We had a lot of sacks at at Maryland last season, so excited to see him. Justin Lawler is a a pass rusher out of SMU that we'll see probably a little bit as well that almost no one knows is on the team, I bet, but but he's a guy that's going to come in and and, and get a chance to rush the passer in preseason as well. Yeah, and I'll, I'll throw one more name out there. You mentioned Des Fitzpatrick. I think that the battle for the wide receiver six spot on the roster is probably between him and Josh Malone right now. Can yeah. Josh Malone push for that spot and convince the team to keep him? And we mentioned this when Mike Herndon was on our podcast that Josh Malone kind of had a Des Fitzpatrick-like career arc to this point, but a few years in advance, assuming yeah. the Titans like give up on Des and he lands with another team. That's where Josh Malone is right now. So... We'll see if he can make plays because somebody asked Vrabel about, or maybe they asked, um, I think they asked Rob Moore about this after practice one day last week. Like if he's making plays in the team periods, but he doesn't look as great in the drills, how do you weigh that? And Rob Moore said, you know, if you're at the end of the day, it's about making plays, but you'll make those plays more consistently if you have your fundamentals and technique down. And that's what those drills are for. So kind of an interesting non-answer there, but I do want to see if Josh Malone can make some plays. Yeah, that's a good one. And look, because we mentioned all these names, how much you want to bet it's going to be someone we didn't mention that comes in and st- and steals the show, right? So what, the one or two guys we forgot, either it's going to be like a, a Julius Chestnut, right? The UDFA running back out of Sacred Heart. Maybe it'll be a Jack Gibbons, right? The linebacker out of, um, out of Minnesota. Uh, I'll say Easton Freeze has been at training camp. He's been really impressed with Shakur Brown, a DB oh, yeah. they signed just the other day, right? I guess they've had some overturn at DB lately, right? They had to bring in Torrell Bonds and Shakur Brown to replace, um, I, I guess it was um, Chris Williamson, who they waved injured, and then Buster Screen, who retired. Easton has been really impressed with Shakur Brown. I remember him from a few years ago coming out of the draft. I liked him coming out of Michigan State. Then ironically enough, I think they asked Mike Vrabel about him at a practice, and Vrabel said, we really liked him in that draft, like coming out of MSU. Yeah. So, and, and, and Easton says, he, and Easton's been there in person, as I said, he says he's making plays in every practice. So I am curious to see a little Shakur Brown on Thursday. Nice. That's a good one. I think that will wrap up that conversation. And I will just say that, yeah, there probably will be that guy that nobody's talking about right now that we will all be talking about after the preseason game. And we'll be back to talk about that game. A slight change to our schedule next week. We're going to record that episode on Tuesday. So we're still going to get it out on Tuesday, but it won't be there first thing Tuesday morning like you're used to seeing from us. Um, But we will still have an episode for you that day recapping that preseason game and the rest of training camp practices that will happen leading up to that point. And then after that, the Titans and the Bucks are going to be practicing together um, with some joint practices here, and we'll be able to talk about that as well. Anything else you want to say about this preseason game or articles on Broadway Sports Media you want to talk about, Justin, while we have a couple minutes left? 
Now we've got a lot of stuff coming up on broadwaysportsmedia.com. Stay tuned. Uh, you know, you mentioned the, the little scheduling quirk for next week. Um, hopefully that doesn't mess up, uh, you know, y- y'all's listening schedule to us too much. But uh, appreciate everyone tuning in and, you know, brace yourselves because we've made it. Football's here. We're going to have a lot to talk about. Yep, that's right. And we're both going to be tweeting out our thoughts and, and observations during this game. So make sure you're following us on Twitter. Justin is at Justin M underscore NFL. I am at Titans Film Room. That'll do it for this episode of the Music City Audible. Thanks for listening. Check out broadwaysportsmedia.com for more Titans content. We have tons of stuff up there right now with training camp in full swing. And like I said, we'll be back next week. So until then, you guys stay safe out there and tighten up. A Broadway Sports Media Production.